Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week's guest on the Mike Wise Show played 16 NBA seasons and is a godsend as an NBA analyst. He's standing by. But first, Darlene, do your thing, child. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? Thank you, Darlene. Derek Harper, harp to his <laughs> friends, played for four NBA franchises during his 16-year NBA career. He was a McDonald's All-American in high school, second-team All-American in Illinois, two-time All-Defensive player in the NBA, played 12 seasons with the Mavericks, started on, and when I got to know him, on the 1994 Knicks team that went to the NBA Finals and had his number 12 retired by the Mavs in 2018. He's been doing analysis for the Mavs TV broadcast for how long has it been now, Harp? How many years? In some capacity, man, almost 20 years, man, for a long time. Well, well, welcome to the program, man. We haven't caught up in a long time. And, um, and, you know, I've always said beyond the fact that you're a great basketball player, you were an even better person. And so, so, yeah, no, I I try. Oh, no, I was hoping to catch up with you. And I always said this, and me and Frank Isola used to say this back in the day, even now, to this day, I hold to this. I think you're one of the, I think you're one of the greatest players to never make an all-star team. I always thought because that Western Conference had Magic and Drexler and all that, like you never got on an uh, on an All Star team. And I always thought, you know, they always say, "Oh, Jamal Crawford, yeah, sure, I put him in there." Um, Happy Hairston, maybe uh, uh, Eddie Johnson from the Eddie Johnson. Yeah, Eddie great was, call. Great yeah, career. Eddie yeah. Johnson. I mean, he 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 was like he was the Ray Allen of his day, man. He uh-huh. he, he could make anything, and so so yeah, like I I always thought you you could. You could put a you with with guys that never made the All Star team. You could put a five together that could beat any five today. <laughs> I would concur with that. I, I would have to agree with you on that, Frank. And you know when you start talking about All Pro, well, you just call teams, me Frank. I'm sorry, you you, Frank, <laughs> you were thinking I, I Sola. Call you Frank. We have history. The three of us have history. That's right, we do. <laughs> so that's and you said Frank, so I go right to Frank. And all this white, right? All this white beat reporters look the same. Uh, you said that, not me. <laughs> but you know, when you start talking about trying to pick an all-star team, I think every year somebody is going to miss out. Um, yeah. It's just very difficult when I think about it. And what I always said about missing out, you talked about the guys that I played against in the Western Conference, Tim Hardaway Jr. I mean, Tim Hardaway. Yeah, uh, Gary Payton, oh. Batch Lever, uh, Kevin Johnson in Phoenix, Terry oh, Porter right. in Portland. It's just very difficult to, yeah. to, to pick the best players as far as All-Star games are concerned. And I always tell people that just simply go to your peers, go to the guys that you competed against, 
and ask them what they think about Derek Harper and whether or not he should have made an all-star team. And I guarantee you they'll give me my respect. Uh And that's all that I need, Mike, to be honest with you. I I don't need to be felt sorry for because I never made an all-star team or won a championship. I know what I was as a player. Um, When I retired, I simply said in my speech that I left it on the floor. And Mm -hmm. you know as well as I know, man, if you can do that and walk away from the game, then you're pretty much happy with what you were able to accomplish and do as a player. Mm -hmm. No, that was definitely you. I – um, I was thinking the other day, you know, LeBron, it feels like LeBron won a title three weeks ago and, and the season <laughs> is starting December 22nd. Uh, you know, this was inevitable with the pandemic, but your thoughts just, you know, starting a few days before Christmas. Well, think about it like this, man, this, mm. th- this pandemic is unprecedented and yeah. everybody has to uh, do something a little bit different. If it was back in the day, Mike, if it, we were playing in the 80s and the early 80s and the, and the middle of the 90s, you couldn't pull something like this off simply because you didn't have private planes. You didn't have 10 trainers mm, good point. on every roster. You did not have, you know, massage therapists everywhere. Um, it, it's just different, man. And I, I just think that if you're a basketball player, you're a professional basketball player, and let's not even get into salaries. I don't like to to talk about people's money, but these guys are paid to do that. And if you have to sacrifice a little bit of time to come back and start a season, play basketball is what I I always talk about. It's just basketball. I could play basketball year round. I mean, surely I would have to take care of myself, which most of these guys do. Um, Let's get it going, man. Let's play. I mean, we're talking about people's livelihood. We need basketball. We need outlets, I think, through this pandemic. And, you know, LeBron and, and Anthony Davis were just crowned champions, but I don't see anything wrong with starting this season up. And I hope these guys have taken care of themselves and they're ready to get started like I am. Are you in Dallas right now? Yes, I am. Yeah. Um, you, you're in a city in which – Plano, team, Texas. What's that? Plano, Texas. Plano. Right. Okay, Plano. Yes. That was, that was what, wasn't that one of the uh, teams in uh, Friday Night Lights? Um uh, I, I I think that was more. I want to say McKinney. I don't. I'm not yeah. really sure. On yeah, I think you're place. right. That's a good call, though. Yeah, like, it was here somewhere. Is what I'll say. I just I look at Texas has always been a football state, but there's basketball. I I think when when you came along, when Mark Aguirre was there, and Ro, Rolando Blockman, and I that it changed how Dallas really felt about basketball in many ways in yeah. Texas for that matter. Cause uh, the Spurs weren't as good then. Um, but the, oh, I, 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 I go ahead. I'm sorry. I, 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 I sort of agree with that, but let me tell you a quick story, Mike. On, on All right. When we first started here in Dallas, um, when I got here, man, I was in awe of the Dallas Cowboys, like everybody. I mean, America's yeah. team, not so much now, but, I, I used to see Tony Dorsett, um, Everson Walls, yeah. Ron Springs, just uh, Danny White, yeah. Roger Staubach, just all the all-time greats. I used to see them around town. And they vaguely recognized me as a Dallas Come on. I'm telling you, they vaguely recognized me. They used to go, they would be together in groups at restaurants, different places that people hang out. And they would go, 
I'm in the back of the line at a lot of little, little night places and all of that kind of stuff. And they would look at each other like, hey, come on up. Tell me to come on up to the front <laughs> of the line. Right? Like, we're going to get you in. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you that's hilarious. You had to rely on the Cowboys back. for VIP treatment. I have no question, but those guys. <laughs> so when you say the Mavericks kind of put it on the map, it took us a while, Mike, yeah. to be honest with you. It really did. And those guys used to laugh at us like, you know, it's hard from the Mavericks and almost <laughs> giggle. You know what I'm saying? So it was, uh, it was pretty interesting breaking into a, a football, a football area. Yeah. Um, you know, football, I, I think the only state that's, mm-hmm. uh, that, 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 that can compete with, with Texas is Florida when it comes to okay. football. That, that's, that, that's the only state that I think they would be second that, to. Because that Florida, pa- they, that they passion, breathe. yeah. Yeah, they have passion. They breed the, the greatest uh, football players ever to play in the NFL. So When, when I think of, like, the Mavs, though, I think, you know, I think Dirk took it into a new level when they won the title. Absolutely. And – um, and they, man, they rebuilt so quickly. They went yes. from having a lousy season um, to all of a sudden, you know, they, they, they had this real, Luka Doncic has a breakout year uh-huh. last year, and he's one of the, he's, I don't know, fourth in the MVP voting or something. It's just nuts uh-huh. to me that, I mean, you, one of the reasons I imagine you're excited, you're going to be seeing that team up close uh, in the regular season very soon. They, do they have the goods yet to get to a Western Conference Finals, or do you, you think they're a wet year away? You know, I, that, that, that's an interesting question because that's what the conversation is. Finally, Dallas is starting to get a little bit of respect with Luka, KP. I, I, I'm going to put it like this, Mike. I don't think anybody wants to see the Mavericks this year because they're a different basketball team. I, what, what does it take to be successful is the question that I would propose to, to anybody. You need two stars. They have that. Luca and KP is certainly a star. He made the all-bubble team during the pandemic down in Orlando. <laughs> the only question for him is being healthy. So you let a guy like Seth Curry guy go. Trey Burke, I think, is a very underrated player, unappreciated player. I, I can't believe, even though he was a lottery pick, that he's bounced around the way he's bounced around and had such a tough time finding his niche as a player. They've added some 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 very talented guys. Willie Colley Stein. They are very young mm-hmm. as a team right now. James Johnson from the Heat. These guys. Josh Richardson from the Heat. These guys have good basketball pedigree. And for the first time in a long time, not to mention Cleaver, Dwight Powell to go along. Jalen Brunson. Jaylen, guy that, I love Jalen Brunson. I'm 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 his biggest fan. I, I just wow. think to get that guy where they got him in the draft was a huge pickup for them, and he has not disappointed as a player. I just think Dallas is young enough, even if they don't get there this year, Mike, that to your point, sooner or later they're going to be there. But this year, provided things come together, they're just a more – they're just a better all-around, all-around team this year than what they've been in the past. They have a lot of different stuff they can throw at you. And think about who won the championship this year. The Lakers won the championship with LeBron and A.D., but look how long and big they were as a team. Yeah. You know, you're talking JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, you know, Kuzma, just a lot of athleticism in, in the paint. And if nothing, even if those big guys can't play, like the old Chicago teams, Detroit teams, they have enough length and they have enough fouls that they can use right. 
to make things difficult for their opponents. And I think Dallas is going to be a lot like that. As a team, I have Luka as a top five player. You can mm-hmm. argue that KP talent-wise, just talent-wise, I don't know he, if he's done it consistently enough because of the injuries, but talent-wise, you can say KP is a top 30 player. And he's only tw- and he's only 25 years old. I think just 25 years old. That right? because he's uh, his name has been around so long, and he got that's exactly win. right. The unicorn win. can play. I, yeah. I'm telling you, Luca gets hurt, and yeah. he's the Mavericks' go-to guy. And I, to me, I think that's special because, I mean, I was a, I had a good career, had a great career, but I was never a number one guy. And I mm. think KP and Luca have the ability to be number one guys. And when you have two guys like that, man, you always have a chance to win. Couple that with a guy like Rick Carlisle, who loves offense, can really coach offense better than most people in the NBA. It, 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 it might, they might not have enough experience, but I think in the future, Dallas will win a championship. There's no but, question. That's provided everybody stays healthy. Guy, after, uh, shoot, after Eric Spolstra, just by like a month and um, Popovich, uh, you know, uh, Carlisle's got the gr- longest tenure as an NBA coach. I think that, that, yeah. that speaks to me of the, of the consistency and stability that Mark Cuban has built in the organization. Yeah. No uh, question. Are you with me that he should be um, after Biden, our next president of the United States? Who is this Mark Cuban? Yes. <laughs> I don't tweet a lot, but I did tweet that. And the reason yeah, you I did, did okay. I did. I said Mark for president, and here's here's the reason why. Yeah, is because Delonte West. You know his story, correct? Correct. Oh uh, yeah, well, I, was, I know because his uh, his point guard in high school back here in D, uh-huh. in the D.C. area helps uh, work with my son now, and he knows oh, and he knows him well, and he's go. crushed about it. And, yeah. and it's and, 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 and what's and, happening and, right now with, with the redemption of him and and Mark. Exactly. Yeah. It's so just, I think anytime a person sees a guy like Delonte West, sees his struggles, sees the th- see the things that he's going through, most of us are going to sit around and say how crazy it is, how bad it is. He had everything going, blah, 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 right? Mark, what does Mark Cuban do? He says, the heck with it. I'm going to go out here and try to save this guy. And I'm telling you, it gave me goosebumps when I read the story and I heard about what Delonte was going through and Mark mm-hmm. having the wherewithal, man, to go out and try and pull a guy off the streets and change his life, save his life, basically. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a phenomenal, that's a phenomenal trait to have. It's somebody that that's selfless enough and that cares enough about other human beings that he would go out there and do what he's done for Delonte. And I hear just yeah. through the grapevine that Delonte is, is is slowly making a comeback in life. That it's not an easy thing to do, but Cube did it. So why not yeah. mark the president? Oh, I mean. He did little things like paying J.J. Barea the millions that. on the day he was released. <laughs> you don't uh, have waiting. to do that, Mike. You no, don't you don't. And stuff. he yeah. has he he what I what I call is that that um that double bottom line. He gets the money part, but he also gets the generosity, the good citizenship, yeah. the, the human passion, right? And not and not not a lot of people with those kind of wherewithal or at that point at that you know stature in life. Sometimes they don't get that, and he does. Well, and, you know, most people at this level and in this profession, it's simply that. It's a business. You know, that's the bottom yeah. line. People don't feel like they owe you anything. Like, I, I adore the Mavericks because since I've retired, I've been an ambassador for the Mavericks. I have been taken care of in a very unique way by the Mavericks. They've done right by me. They retired my jersey. You know, you can say that it was deserved, 
But until it happens, man, you don't you don't understand the appreciation that a person gets for yeah. it. And um, I mean, Mark gets it. And to me, if not the best owner in sports, he's one of the top uh, owners in professional sports. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. And I, the uh, the thing that gets me about the league now, and, and, and I don't want to sound like, you know, the old dude yelling at the clouds. Right, right. But, uh, but you know, I don't want to be that guy because I think – I believe that you – if you really are going to be successful in this line of work or even enjoy the league today, you have to, you have to be almost as contemporary as you are old. You have to realize yes. things change. Yeah. But So you're I, talking about you, you, you have to get into the uh, – the plus minus stuff. Right, exactly. Yeah, you got to get into it. There's no and totally, yeah. Sadly enough, yeah, I have to like start looking at statistical um, analytics a little bit because yeah. it's just, it's part of the game. Which but, has a place. Which has right, a place. it does have a place. But but one of the things that gets me, and I never played the level you did, um, but I, you know, I played at a small college in high, and I played high school fairly well. But the thing that always bothered me was you go to hold a court at the park and the one dude that always pissed me off was the guy who picked all his friends that were really good, and they would just hold the court till dusk. And, like, I think that's what the league is becoming now. Like, like okay, uh, I'm KD. I'm going to go to this team in the offseason because, yeah. darn it, they got, they got a star, and if I team with another star, it, it just wasn't a mentality back in the day, and I don't, right. I don't hold any grudges because players have enormous power now. Yes. But it also That's where I was gonna go. Yes. Yeah, it, it also it's some it doesn't cheapen the championships, but it just it, it's not like, you know, like you, you you were true for your school, whatever franchise you were on back in the day. Now it's like uh, yeah. I I rent this place for two more two years, see what right, it's right. like. Could you imagine, Mike? Could yeah. you imagine Michael Jordan saying, Hey, I'm gonna go play with Magic <laughs> Johnson or Larry Bird? Never. There's no damn way. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Those guys were about competition. Right. And to me, that's what it's always been. I'll say this really quick. Yeah. When I was getting ready to pick a college, I came to the Big Ten because, and Magic left early, Isaiah left early, but those two guys at that particular era in, in college basketball, they were the shit, right? Yeah. So that's where I wanted to go. Why? Because I wanted to compete against the best. Mm. And that's the difference in the new school and the old school, if you would. As guys now, I think they work out together during the summer. Shit, I didn't work out with Magic and Fat Lever and (laughs) Tim Hardaway and and Kevin Johnson during the offseason. These guys do that now. And like it or not, it's their prerogative. When you become a free agent and you talked about the leverage, Mike, yeah, these guys have a lot of leverage in what they do, and a lot of times I, I think it, it's agent driven, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it's trying to build dynasties. And at the end of the day, people are going to say, "What was his legacy? What was LeBron's legacy?" LeBron right now, to me, is trying to win more than six championships. That's yep. why he's kind of maneuvering and signing two-year deals and doing what he's doing right now. Yep. Playing with Anthony Davis, they've had a great uh, off season. So they're right back in position to win another championship. And I think that's what a lot of guys are thinking. You look at James Harden right now in Houston. You know, his mother came out and said, you can't fault my son for wanting to try and win a championship. And there's some, there's some, 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 there's some truth to that. You know, I, I didn't win a championship. Patrick Ewan didn't win a championship. Charles Barkley didn't win a championship. And I think if those guys could go back and do it again, Mike, 
I think a lot of guys wouldn't mind kind of being on a super team and really? finding a way to sacrifice it a little bit. Some of the guys, I mean, some well, of the Carl guys. Well, Carl Malone and, and, uh, and uh, Gary Payton jumped on the Lakers at the end for a ring. Trying to win a championship. Yeah, and Shaq, was doing, Shaq was doing the same at the end, trying, to chase, exactly trying right. to chase it's, Kobe. But um, yeah. it was yeah. – and, and you can't yeah. – you, how are you going to knock a guy, Mike, if you would, for trying to win? No, you're right. You, know, you, you can't knock somebody for, to, for wanting to, to get that ring, be in that parade. Yeah. Um, it's nothing like it. I, I swear to you, I counted my, my chickens before they hatched in New York because when I was in New York, before game six, we had the opportunity to close it out. We were up 3-2. Oh, against the Rockets. Oh. Yeah, so I'm walking in, Mike. I'm walking into the arena. Lord and behold, champagne rolls right in front of my fucking nose, okay? Oh, no. So I'm like, shit. I'm going to be popping this afterwards. You know what I'm saying? So there's nothing like winning a championship, man. Oh, I never man. experienced were, it, but I always wanted to. I tell you that. You were so close. I think, don't you think you would have been the MVP of those finals? I don't, I don't care about that shit, Mike. You would have been, though, huh? I would have been, I could have been on the bench, man. I would have yeah. traded not yeah. having a significant role on yeah. that team to win a championship, man. That's well, what it was always about. I remember I was talking to uh, Riles, uh, Pat Riley, and yeah. I would have been 2000, almost 20 years ago now. I remember before a Heat Knicks series, he gets me over on the side at the, in Florida at their little uh, facility, and he goes, he goes, my biggest mistake was not going to row Rolando on the bench because I had him, I could have used him, and I just stayed with John because I thought he was going to make one. And, uh, and, 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 I, and I go, and he said that that was his biggest regret as a coach. Because well, he thought at he least he's bad enough to admit that. Is, yes. Is what I would say for Coach Riley. That's one of yeah. my favorite people in the whole wide world. Riley's a realist. And one of the things that I don't think anybody can take away from him, he is the most loyal individual that I've ever been around in my life. And yeah. he felt like he owed it to John Starks to leave him out there. John, bless his soul, he thought he was going to get hot at some yeah. point. <laughs> He was great yeah. in game six, if you recall. He's the one that kept us in that game. He oh, yeah. Basket after basket. Game seven, not so much. I take mm -hmm. a lot of responsibility for that, to be quite frank with you. Really? Who's the point guard? I'm the yeah. point guard. I kept giving him the ball. And yeah. what he was supposed to do was dump the ball into Patrick. Because remember, yes. we had that boring-ass offense. And a lot of times, John just thought he was going to be able to step up <laughs> and make some big shots. You have to admire his tenacity and his toughness. But at some point, man, you just got to know that it's not your night. And you got to give Roy an opportunity or Hubert Davis or whomever. Yes. Except for John in that particular moment. Go back. Do, me a, do, do this, Mike. Go back and Google Rolando's numbers against the Rockets just throughout his, oh, his no. career. He was I'm a just, freaking uh, rocket killer. Oh. I mean, Mitchell Wiggins, Lewis Lloyd, oh. um, Reed, Robert Reed, Roe owned those guys, man. Oh. I mean, I used to feel sorry for those guys <laughs> when Roe played against them, man. He killed them. Oh. And that's why it was so tough for him. I mean, that's yes. my guy. You know, I was oh, in the back oh no, I know. You guys were, you were yeah. Was, yeah, being on the doorstep, there's nothing like it. Uh, do, you, do you have any real Patrick, I mean, Pat Riley stories that really stand out? Um, yeah, man, Riles, after th – th this, is, this is a crazy story, but uh, yeah. after game seven, after we lost yeah. in the finals, game seven, 
Rouse had a suit on. I had my uniform on. I was the last one to leave the arena. And believe it or not, Rouse and I sat in the shower. With the shower, one of the showers running, just having conversation about getting back. Him understanding, he was telling me how, it was my first championship opportunity. Yeah. And he had already been through the war of losing a championship. So what basically was going on, he was trying to console me to get me ready for the next year. Obviously, wow. you think automatically you're going to get back. It never turns out that way, unless you're the Lakers and the Bulls back in their heydays. Yeah. But we sat in the shower, man. I mean, mourning that particular loss. Because remember, Mike, it was 3-2 wow. going to Houston. He just pulls up a seat in his suit and just starts man, talking to you while the water's we're running. We're just sitting in the damn in the shower, man, just talking about how disappointing in it, it was. And yeah. Hart, we're gonna get back here and you know what to do the next time. And just I'll John, never John told that. John Starks told me once he cried in the shower that after that game. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. Sure. I was in tears. I'm not gonna yeah. lie to you, man. And 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 the other thing last to add to that that particular story yeah. is the whole summer Pat Rowley wrote me letters, wrote me notes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, to come back into the next season, the 95-96 season. He wrote me notes, yeah. just putting emphasis on little things. And because that's what that's the difference in winning and losing. Yeah. When you're in the championship. People think it's it's a big thing. It's always little nuances, man, that keep you from becoming a championship. And Ralph shared a lot of those things with me, man. And like I said, man, that Pat Riley, he seeked me out this past season when the Heat was in town. Yeah. To give me a fucking hug and a, a kiss on the cheek, man. Just to uh that's just cool. to check on me. That that's my guy, man. I love that. Uh, guy. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I have great respect for him. And yeah, he, even to. though he, he ran a stern ship, um, yeah, but he but you know that that's you need that. Um yeah. I still I had a player tell me that tell me if it's true or not. Charles Smith, they, they they think he's, you know, Charles Smith, God bless him. They, a couple players thought he was dogging it a little bit on the injury list, and apparently he walks in the locker room once, and and Riles turns around on the chalkboard and goes, Charles, if I needed one minute tonight, one minute to win yes. a championship, could you do true. it? You know this true, story? True, true, So true. And then, and Charles, and then Charles is like, yeah, coach, and then – why Riley's writing on the track board game, he spins around and goes, then why the fuck are you in that suit? Wow. <laughs> what do the guys in the locker room hey, say after that? Man, everybody looked right at Charles. What else oh, what yeah. is there to say other than, yeah, you could, if you could give us a minute, give us a minute, man. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, Apparently he was off thing. the injury list the next day and back in practice. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So obviously he could have been off of that injury list. Right. And I love, I love Smitty. I love Charles. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a dear yeah. friend. I, I don't – but, you, you, you know, everybody's different, you know? Yeah. I mean, I would have given my left arm to win in 94 because I think I would still be in New York. I'd still be relevant in some capacity in Manhattan. My daughter lives there now. My youngest daughter is in New York working. Yeah. And um, I would still be there. I don't think there's any doubt. I tell people, as expensive as New York is, you know the difference in a, 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 a place that have state tax and they don't have them. Dallas doesn't have any. You know the difference in that. So I would yes. have still been there in spite of, man, if we had won in 94. Man. I, that, it's just that kind of a market and that kind of a city. Yeah. And there was something special about that time in New York, too. Yes. It was sort of going through this renaissance of – 
uh, they were cleaning up a lot of the porn shops in Times Square yes. and yes, became yes. A, de a big destination again. And then, oh, shoot, and the Ranger. I, when I interviewed, they the week wanted... I interviewed at the New York Times, yep. you guys are in the NBA Finals and the Rangers are about to win the Stanley Cup. That's I right. mean, it was just, New York was just on fire in so many yes, ways. And I, I, I give you this, a couple of nuggets, man. Messier wore number 11. Derek yeah. Harper wore number 11 in New York. And I, sh I had his locker in, in the garden. Oh, I, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I had his locker. Oh, that's and awesome. After they, after they were crowned, I'm like, shit, we're going to win the championship. Man, right. Was, you know, I would have I lost everything that I had. Yeah, somebody would have bet me that we were we were we were not going to beat the Rockets. I just thought yeah. we were going to win that series by far. And I, I'll go to to this day saying we were the better team. We just weren't tied together mm. uh, enough to uh, to pull it off. Because I think everybody at that particular moment, you talked about John and Rowe and Hubert. Yeah, those guys were not. I'm not saying that they weren't rooting for the guys who were out there, but they wanted their chance so bad, Mike, mm. that. There was a little, a little bit of uh, animosity for guys that that weren't in the game when when people were struggling. So it's just it's just just what it is. Yeah. The, um, switching topics for a minute. Someone uh, someone told me that uh, your daughter was a contestant on season eleven of The Voice. I don't remember yeah, yeah. it, but if I if I saw, I would have I would have watched it and stuck around. Yeah, I, I was on there, and Dana is still singing in spite of Dana's, what's going on in our country. How old is she, she uh, now? Dana is 29 years old, and yeah. um, that that's all she wants to do. That that's her passion. That's, that's what she loves, and she I, I thought she uh, she she blew me away. She sang all of she sang all of her life, and you never know under the big lights how people are going to show up if they're going to show up. Right, and when she got an opportunity, she showed up and she did her thing. So who pressed, the, who pressed the button for her? Um, Alicia Keys. Oh, uh, see, that's oh, that's awesome. Adam, I, yeah. Adam, and um, what's my guy, Blake? Blake. Oh, they all yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Blake. Everybody. Blake. There were four, and I want to say Molly Cyrus did not. She did not at that particular. Thing. She didn't think Dana could do anything for her. Dana was is one of these neo soul singers, right? Like Jill Scott and you know, Angela Stone and those type singers. And oh. she should have she should have twerked in Miley's face. <laughs> Come on, hey, see, now. that's what's going on now, Lance. That's what yeah, no, no, I can't. But no, that's <laughs> what you have to do nowadays. Uh, so, no, it's like unbelievable. No, I but I have I've had dreams, Harp, where I like. We're, we're like, like I like I'm singing the Commodores, you know, like, right, I know right. it sounds fun. And all of a sudden, Blake Shelton hits it and he goes, what's your name? Where, where hey, are you listen. from? You know, like, hey, that good course, for you. I, I've never had those kind of dreams. Yeah, if I wake up and it's, it never happens, man. It's almost still that's doing funny. the podcast. That's good stuff. Um, yeah, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, man, that's great. So, um, so real quickly, the... The, the league as it shapes up now, um, if you had to pick a, a contender beyond the Lakers and, say, the Bucs, who would you say? Man, that's an interesting question. So the, the, the Bucks in the East, Lakers in the West. Yeah. I'm going to say this, and it's not a biased opinion. I think Dallas can really compete. Oh, man. If, if the Mavs got around – oh, God. I just think that they can in the West. I think Denver yeah. – 
can compete. Because, and, and the reason why I, I talked earlier about having two stars, I think Jokic and, and uh, Murray. Murray, special. Mm. Special. The bubble was different. I, I don't yeah. think the pressure was the same in the bubble. That's what I'll say. When it, you're not having fans, you know as well as I know, when you can't hear yourself swallow, that's a different kind of pressure because of the noise. Mm. That's different. And you didn't have that in the bubble. So I, I think a lot of people shine under those circumstances. But when I look at Murray, when I look at the Joker, when I look at Luca, I look at mm. Porzingis, those are no fear guys. Those are no fear guys, and they'll go for it. Yeah. I look at a guy like Embiid under Doc. I'm a big Doc Rivers fan. I, I think Doc is going to do wonders for Philadelphia. There's talk about James Harden going there. I wouldn't make that trade. I would keep their roster the same way that it is because I think what Philly lacked last year, Seth Curry is going to give it to him uh, as far as shooting as is concerned. Yeah. He's a shot maker, and that's what Philly lacked. Remember when they had J.J. Redick? Yes. They were a different basketball team. They were. Because J.J. could catch and shoot. I think Harris is going to have a breath of fresh air as a player. Doc knows him well. He's a guy that, to me, can step up and make shots and be better than he's been. I, I think the cohesion in Philly is going to be different. I think Doc mm -hmm. is going to do a, a better job than, in all due respect, to Coach Brown and bringing this team together, yeah. them liking each other, you know? And I think that's, you know, the, that's Pettic, the key. Chemistry yeah, is – you can, you can man, never underrate chemistry, and you know man, it better than chemistry anybody. Chemistry is good. That, there you go, Mike. When your chemistry is good, and that's why I give Dallas a chance, because yeah. those guys – when I tell you the Maverick team, I'm around them 24-7, they do every freaking thing together, man. They are together wow. all the time. One goes out to dinner, that's they cool. all go. And I just think that 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 that's a different dynamic for for any team that's trying to uh, knock off the Lakers, knock off the Bucks. Although I don't believe in the Bucks, I think Philly don't believe in the Bucks. Okay, no, I don't believe in them. I, Even I with their additions, I don't believe it. I, I, okay. I just don't. Um, Drew Holiday, I love as a player. A yeah. uh, lot of savvy as a player, but what is Drew? What does he want? Yeah, you know, where, has he been in those big moments? He has yeah. not. And you know, I, I just I, – Adetta Kumbo, until he's able to consistently shoot the basketball from the outside, and you can say that about, about Philly as well with Ben Simmons, I just don't think that, 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 that they can get over the hump. And yeah. that's Milwaukee when I say the Bucs. Yeah, no, I know. The, the, the Mavericks going far would be huge. Is it lazy of us um, – we always compare great stars to the past – is it lazy of us because Luka Doncic is white to say, oh, damn, this is Larry Bird 2.0? Um, or do you see – you played against Larry so many times. Do you see yeah. anything uh, in their no, games no. that, that – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know what? The first thing I'd say, Mike, is IQ. Both of those guys have a lot of intelligence when it comes to the game. Okay. Um, Luka – we've been looking for somebody to compare this guy to. Since he's been in the league, and he's right. only been – this is his third year coming out. Coming out. I wouldn't be surprised if Luka is MVP, but wow. Luka is Luka. He's all planet for a reason. He puts yeah. up cartoon numbers as a player, <laughs> if you would. I mean, this guy is yeah. – I saw Luka in practice when he first got here about two or three times, 
And I said, screw this, man. I said, this kid is going to be all NBA. He's going to win the MVP a couple of times. Yeah. He just gets it, man. Yeah. And you, you, you know the thing for him? Yeah. It's something about the end of the game where some guys can show, they show up and some guys don't. Luca doesn't give a shit about being the GOAT, the, 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 the loser. He doesn't care about missing the game winner. So he, he hadn't made a lot of game-winning shots like he did against the Clippers yeah. to keep that series alive. He hit, but he keeps taking them, keep taking them, taking them, taking yeah. them. And he understands how to make the play. Steve Nash, to me, was the best player ever to play that dribbled the ball for fucking 20 seconds. <laughs> but at the end of that 20 seconds, he made the right play. Does that make You're sense? Right. That's, the that's the best description of his career I've ever heard. Yeah. He I'd like, be like, what are you doing? You're dribbling the shot clock yes. away. Yes. Luca, Mike, is that same guy. Yeah. He has his usage rate this year, other than James Harden, yeah. was second in the NBA. LeBron was third, I think. Wow. So. But nobody called, nobody called him a ball hog. No, not on this team. Luca, Luca yeah. is – he yeah. does what he wants to do, man. I mean, you – those guys, man, you don't even have. He's the he's the shiz nizzle in in Dallas. Yes, yes. <laughs> I guess he was, is. The, the kids that. would say a long time ago. Yeah, he is definitely that. I mean, he's That's not a awesome. He's gonna have 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 a great career, no question about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, my friend of mine, uh, he's a photographer, longtime photographer in the NBA. He he meant I, I told him my son could play a little bit. I was like, yeah, but you know. He, uh, he go, I go, all the kids in the hood are getting the scholarships. Actually, he goes, that's the dumbest thinking there is. He goes, we, he goes, we just did PSAs for the NBA players, and this was before Jokic. And he goes, he goes, we didn't really have an identifiable white player. The only thing we think of was Kevin Love, and we like, right, right. you know, nobody really even knew him. And so, and my, and I, I remember Billy Hunter, the former executive play, uh, director oh, of the is. Players yeah, Union, yeah. said once, he goes, they need an American-born white superstar again in the NBA too. And I go, I. I don't know if that's true anymore. Not only have these guys become crossover stars in so many yeah. ways, and we don't, you know, it, it's like that do the right thing movie where, uh, where right, right. Pete, Mookie's asking, you know, well, Pino, <laughs> wait a minute, what about, you know, he goes, uh, well, they're not, and, you know, and what about Michael Jackson? What about Prince? Well, he, not, and like, that's how NBA players are looked at today, even by the bastard yeah. racists. Yeah, uh, you know, it's like, like, like it's sort of, it's sort of this hey. whole thing, and I, I don't know if you need I – don't, I don't know. Like, people say, oh, racial – even if you're not – racial identification. If you're white, you want to see white. But I don't, I don't, like, have a special uh, uh, thing that goes off in my neural cortex of a white dude blunk, dunks on a black dude. Like, I, I don't think people need that, but maybe I might be wrong. I don't know. You know, that's a, that, that is so interesting, man, because on my podcast, one of the things that I talk about yeah. is – how people are reluctant to give Luca his props. And I echo the sentiments, mm. Mike, if you would, that the reason why is because he's a white guy. Mm. And, Interesting. you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a hater. I don't know how to hate. I really right. don't. God, God has blessed me. When I tell you, if you think Luca and KP are the first white guys that could play in the NBA, you have lost your damn mind right. because Tom Chambers can fucking play, okay? Chris Mullins could freaking yeah. play. Um, Larry Bird, I have yeah. seen Larry get six through three on, 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 on Chicago and, 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 and Atlanta. I've seen him 
were Dominique out. So that, were, that's you, were, were you on the court that day that he hit that three against the Mavs? Um, uh, yes, I was. Yeah, oh, yes, right. I was. I was with the Mavericks, no question about it. But yeah. I, my, my point is this, man. Basketball has, and thanks to the late David Stern, basketball has become a international sport. Yep. And I don't give a shit if you're black, yellow. My son used to tell me, I don't think the coach likes me. I says, man, listen, I don't give a shit if he likes you or not. If you can help him win, you're going to be on the damn court. So go work on your damn game. I don't care if you're white, yellow, Hispanic, African. I don't care, man. If you can play basketball, you can play basketball. People are going to recognize that, and you're going to have an equal opportunity to do what you do as a player. So don't, I, 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 I'm on your side on that. Watch. Yeah, I, I, agree with I, that. I, I think, think the game is, when you talk about like all oh, this racial reckoning in America, I think yeah, the, yeah. The, the, I game, mean, the game is like the greatest. That exists, Mike. This, Let, let's, be, let's be honest. That certainly exists. Oh, but yeah. But I think, I the, think basketball, I think basketball brings that shit together. Counts, exactly. Right? That's exactly yeah, what I was going to say. I think basketball kind of comes right between the line when you yes. start talking about equality. Yeah. And things of that nature. Um, that that brings yeah. people together in football, basketball. Um, Drew Brees had some very interesting negative comments. Yes. Uh, during the pandemic, and his guys jumped on his ass, right? Yes. Although, since Drew has kind of recognized and kind of reconciled his beliefs and and, and changed, he's been accepted. There, yeah. He's still. He's well, still. It was, a good, it was a good teaching moment for him. Oh, absolutely, teaching man. and learning I, I, moment for him. You say teaching, Mike, but I, I think a lot of it is just, just not knowing, just yes. just ignorant to the fact, uh, man. Right. I mean, you do your due diligence. I do my due diligence on basketball, covering basketball. Mm. So I can I can spit it. I can I can throw it out there because mm -hmm. I've done my homework. Do your homework on race before you start talking about it, and then you you have a better understanding and a better appreciation for what people are talking about when it comes to inequality and, and, and equal justice. Mm. All right. One last story that I want to run by you before I let you go is, is uh, it involves you actually. Oh, wow. and it's, it's one of my favorite harp stories that I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, it just speaks to the tough player you were. Um, there was a moment where Anthony Hardaway, Penny Hardaway, who's obviously turned himself into a wonderful coach and yeah, great, great guy, post great guy. Oh, tremendous guy. Yeah. But he was—he was—he thought he was all that in Orlando. And apparently, you were guarding him like like you used to in the '90s. Everybody like basically putting a forearm in people's neck, yeah, um, or, or, <laughs> or 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 move it. And and then the story was like he was just getting tired of in practice. And he yelled at the PR director, like, and you guys started going one-on-one -on -one after practice, and he started yelling at the PR director, like, Joe, Joe, go get my stats. Go get my stats. Go show him my stats. And, and you were still just dogging him out in practice. You know, I, I, I remember that somewhat. I, I, you know what, Mike? I'm Am like, I embellishing it, Art? I, 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 don't know, I don't know exactly how that story. Joe Glass was the PR director. I know Joe. I know oh, Joe right. very well. I don't remember exactly how that played out because yeah. I think I kind of, I kind of shunned it off. You know what I'm okay, saying? Right. I, I really didn't get in the, in the. Uh, I didn't get down and dirty with that particular story. But Penny, Penny is the guy, man. I, I love yeah. Penny. I had a lot of success against him as a player because, if you recall, Penny was one of those tall point guards. Right. And he was never able to face me up and take me. You know what I mean? So I always, like you mentioned, 
had that elbow on him and I could kind of control him yes. back in the day. And I mean, I tell you, people, you I, controlled I, him I, like gonna, a little, you controlled him like a little penny. It, right. I'm not going to act like I was on Penny's level. Penny was all pro and yeah, an no. all-star player for a long time. But, but there's I, some I, guys, he, Gary Payton, I think I can take them now. I really do. I, those uh, guys, I just what? I had their number for whatever reason. You still playing? No, no, no. You kidding? Okay. I, half court? Yeah, okay. I can, I can wear people out. Okay, I got right. that triple threat. But the problem is, Mike, it takes me about a week to recover. You see what I'm saying? So, so why bother? Right? Just, well, I, I brought that story up because I think it made Penny a tougher player. I think playing with you made him a tougher-minded and a tougher yeah. physical player in an yeah. era in which he had to be. Yeah. It, you know, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to take that kind of credit because I only played with him for like a half a season. Yeah. Not a very long time, if you would. I got traded from Dallas to Orlando and Penny was there. Um, yeah. And it was just a short, a short stint, and he got hurt. And uh, we really didn't see each other a lot on the floor All and right. played against each other a lot. But there goes Penny, another one. There goes one of my half-baked takes that doesn't even make any sense. Oh, no, no, it's all good. I'm just trying to be very honest. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. That's the best thing about this. My producer, Bruce Bernstein, is like, this is our best podcast ever. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, he's like all about it. And I'm like, but oh, why don't you pay? I'm like, why don't you pay him, Bruce? Uh, he's the best guest. He's the best guest hey, ever. Continue, best guest Mike. ever, Mike. <laughs> oh yeah, no, this is great. Well, well, man, I, I'm not. I won't. Obviously, won't see you for a long time in person. Right. But I want to wish you a real uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Thank New you Year, so much. holidays, all that. And uh, I just, man, uh, it, it's really good catching up with you. Absolutely, uh, as You've I always said, been one of my favorite guys, and I'm not just saying that shit. Oh no, thank we've you, we've always man. had a pretty good relationship. And I yeah, know you no, definitely. Yeah, I always knew. Good. I always knew whatever you were doing or saying, you were trying to make the team better. Whether, yeah, whether you were going no like, question. "Hey, Patrick, got to toughen up," I'm like, "You're right, he does." <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast, man. When we get this, <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that's great. I, I got a lot of flack when it comes to Patrick. Where I, I, I was driving. You ever try to do radio while you're driving? It's the worst idea. Oh, ever. it's yeah, because you just stream of consciousness. You'll start it's saying so things. It's weird, Mike. And I, you know, I was asking, was Patrick the leader? Was he this? And I kind of tried to explain it, and it didn't come across right. You know what I'm right. saying? It, it just it came across like I was trying to dog Patrick, who is one of my favorite people. Patrick is huh. my guy. In fact, two years ago, I went over to Georgetown and watched him practice. And what I'm gonna tell, what I'm gonna say about Patrick real quick, is that Patrick, like Oak, seems to think that that Patrick wasn't a leader, right? Right. And I beg to differ because I feel like they're different kind of leaders, right? They're guys that set the example by working hard, that that comes early, stay late. That was Patrick. And then there, and that was Patrick. And then there are guys that that are vocal and outspoken, mm. like Oak. Yeah. So I always lean towards Oak because of his toughness, um, never back down type of an attitude. So I, I think we were three, we were the three captains: myself, Oak, and Patrick. Yeah, and you and, and, you, and you led differently. That's exactly my point, right there. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. what I'll say about Beast. If he sees or hears this podcast, I know he knows I love him, man. But yeah, Patrick is one of the all-time greats, man. That didn't win a championship, but you know he was top fifty. 
before things uh, change. They're, they're, it's still they're one of the great, different great, people great, out there nowadays. Great so centers of all time to play. Oh, no question I, about I was, it. Man. But you know, like watching him daily, you know, walking when they gave us access in the locker room, the, you know, you would um, always see Patrick dribbling before the games and yes, invariably yes. he would dribble it off his foot. And you yes. realize, wait, Patrick Ewing, as great a defender as he was, the Hoya Destroyer, he did not have great hands. And well, he, he willed it. himself into being uh, a great jump shooter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I give the late John Thompson a lot of credit when it comes to Patrick Ewing mm. because I think Patrick is, is a is – a, he, he, John Thompson taught Patrick how to be what he is, and he became what he was because of Coach Thompson, the way mm -hmm. he uh, he went about his business when he was at Georgetown, man. I, you I, know, think, it, I think he misses him terribly now. Oh, there's no because, question. You and, know, even though he's Thompson coaching, it's sort of like he's such a rock to rely on. Yeah, 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 man, know. a voice, a sounding board for a guy like, like Patrick, yeah. man. But the beast, the beast of the East is the man, no doubt about beast. it. I love him. That's what, that was his nickname, too. Yes, sir. Or was it Meast or Beast? I can't remember. No, it was Beast. Okay. <laughs> like you're funny. <laughs> it was Jesus. Beast. Oh, it was right. Beast. This was well, fun. Good That's going down memory lane with you, Harp, and uh, all the best uh, you. in your um, in your career. And, yeah, I Thank hope you. you're right about the Mavs, man. That would be fun. I think they're going to surprise some people. That was dope. It's time to wrap things up for this week. Thank you very much to the incredibly authentic Derek Harper for sharing his time with us. Thanks also to my producer, Bruce Bernstein, for completing me or something like that. Thanks also to the incredible Tom Phillip, who edits the shit out of this show. Please listen to all of our Pure Hoops media shows. Full Court with Jenny Fisher and her new co-host, Kara Kay, comes your way every Tuesday. This week, they have Marquette alum Marcus Howard, a Denver Nuggets rookie. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin is here each Wednesday. Last week, they had my friend Fred Katz of The Athletic DC with a great take on Russell Westbrook, Scotty Brooks, and, of course, Bradley Beal. Bucket Sports and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure drops in every Thursday. They had Coach Seth Greenberg of ESPN talking Coach K and much more. And B.J. Armstrong and Eric Newman are here every Friday with the Pure Hoops podcast. This week, they discussed the top five storylines heading into the season. And I'm back each Monday with the Mike Wise Show. Please listen, review us, and leave a five-star rating. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Finally, COVID-19 is still killing thousands across the country every day. So please wash your hands and stay at least six feet away from others and wear that mask. Don't complain, just do it. Please treat everyone around you, even strangers, as friends and be considerate. Don't forget to keep our superhero medical professionals in your thoughts. Also, we all need to continue working for social justice as we strive for a more just and inclusive society. I don't just say those words every week, I mean them. So please do your part. Until next week, aloha. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Thank you.